This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. Hour number two of our Sunday conversation, chit-chat, and music. 1-800-919-3776. Also via XX, formerly Twitter, at Hardesty ESPN at ESPN NY 98 underscore 7 FM. Also a good follow on X at Pat Ragazzo. Does a great job on SI.com covering the Mets. He joins us now on 98.7. Hey, Pat, how are you? I'm great, Larry. How are you? Thanks so much for having me on. My pleasure. Uh, kind of slow news day past couple of days, huh? <laughs> you could say that. A <laughs> uh, couple, couple of things have happened, but, uh, yeah, they're a little slow. <laughs> Pat, uh, take me through the trades so far. Thus far, give me the details on uh, Robertson, how how that came about, and then take me through uh, Scherzer. All right. I mean, the Mets have found themselves uh, in too deep of a hole to climb out of, and uh, the front office has essentially waved the white flag from the season by trading their closer, David Robertson, which seemed inevitable. Uh, but it was also kind of the move that was going to tell you that they, they weren't going to really compete the rest of the season and uh it was a bit of a surprise i mean they traded robertson to the miami marlins they traded him in the division and for two rookie ball players who were ranked prospects but uh you know with with high potential of course but um it was a little surprising uh you know because last year the cubs got a much better return for robertson uh at the deadline from the phillies they got ben brown who was the phillies number nine prospect and a pitcher uh, who was in double A and then of course this year in triple A. Um, so it was a little surprising that the Mets got rookie ball players for Robertson, but, uh, you know, uh, it's, he, he's a rental relief arm and, uh, you know, those prospects were ranked. And then of course, fast forward to yesterday and, um, a little surprising because there were a lot of rumors that Verlander was the one who was drawing a lot of trade interest from teams, you know, whether it be the Texas Rangers or the Houston or his old team, the Houston Astros. Uh, but Max Scherzer was the one who wound up being dealt to the Texas Rangers. Um, now Scherzer's had a really up and down year, but um, the Mets wound up paying a lot of his remaining salary uh, in order to get a high-end prospect from the Rangers. And they got Ronald Acuna's younger brother, who's 21 years old, having a very strong season in double a uh, still has a lot of potential to unlock, but, uh, but seems like he's, he's going to be a pretty good player and, and it is already a, you know, a very high end prospect. So um, yeah, I think the Mets, the Mets have done well so far. Uh, I don't think they're done. Um, but yeah, those, those are obviously the two main trades that they've made so far. Pat, that's a, that turns out to be a very expensive mistake for Max Scherzer. Now, clearly, uh, I understand the thought process. I was all on board with getting him um, because it made sense, right? You put you compare you put him along with Degrom, and I thought that originally he was kind of like Degrom insurance, right? That you know Degrom was in and out of the lineup. He didn't know what he was going to be available. He had the injuries, so now you have an ace at the top of your rotation. But as you look back, he had some great r- regular season starts. But Pat, in the big moments, this this turns out to be a major mistake for Scherzer, right? You go back to Atlanta, doesn't give you the the start that you needed late in the season, was not good against the Padres in the postseason, up and down this season. It turns out to not have been a good move. Yeah, in in hindsight, I mean, um, 
he had a, a very good regular season last year up until the Atlanta start and then of course the uh the wild card start. Um but yeah, and then this this year he struggled of course and uh it didn't wound up uh the move didn't wind up working out and um you know he's he's opting into his deal uh to his to his final year of his deal for next year. So he's gonna be on the Rangers next season as well. But um but yeah, this uh this is a move that didn't wind up working out for the Mets and uh now he essentially replaces Jacob DeGrom in Texas. So what going forward, and you mentioned it and you're a thousand percent right, most people thought Verlander was going to be the person to move. What do the Mets do with Verlander and what's the thought process in building a rotation next year? Are there guys in the minors that they're looking at? Uh, do they hope to get McGill straightened out? Because he's been awful since he's been in the minors. Uh, Peterson's been decent in a couple of spots. What's the game plan with the pitching rotation going forward? Well, that's a great question. Um, that's And that kind of gives you more of an incentive to keep Verlander because um, you know, you are going to need guys, for, you know, for next year, of course, uh, you don't have an ace if you get rid of, of Verlander. Um, so the, I think there's a chance that they hold on to him. Um, you know, obviously not looking towards this year, but next year, of course. Um, and uh, there's, they're going to be probably active on the free agent market and they kind of have to be because um, they do, they have developed some starting pitching this year in the minor leagues, but they, some of the, the guys aren't ready yet. Uh, they got prospects like this guy, Mike Vassell, Tyler Stewart, um, you know, a couple other guys, Jose Buto, uh, you know, pitched well in a couple starts this year that he's made in the majors. Um, but the, the, these guys, some of these guys aren't ready. So, um, you know, they, their best bet is probably to keep Verlander and, uh, you know, potentially go out there and, and uh, sign sign another arm or two in free agency. And, of course, don't forget, Otani is available, mm. too, and they're, mm. they're probably going to make the serious run at him. Pat, is, did the Mets get themselves in this situation by over-evaluating and over-pricing the talent that they had in the, in the minor leagues? Because, clearly, uh, this may could have been avoided to the extent that it was if you thought – your minor league system needed more help. Maybe you don't spend the money on Scherzer and Verlander right here. Maybe you just try to build your minor league system, go with what you have, and maybe get some less expensive free agent pitchers. Yeah, that's that's a fair point. Um, but you know, Steve Cohen wants to win now, and and he wants to spend to make up for the for the system that they're still trying to build. So, um, so yeah, so they, they could have potentially gone out and, and gotten some less expensive free agents, but uh, they wanted to put all their cards on the table and go for it, and that's, and that's what they did, and uh, unfortunately they failed miserably. Pat Ragazzo, SI.com, covers the Mets, my guest, on the Larry Hardesty Show here on 98.7 ESPN. Uh, Pat, the, the conversation and the reaction from the clubhouse – more so after Robertson than more so after Scherzer than Robertson has got some guys really uneasy. Like what's going to happen next? Is this also a kind of an offset positive air quotes uh, that these moves make to let these guys know that, okay, you continue to underachieve. We're not married to you this year and in the off season. Yeah, I think it does send that message. I mean, you, you could, uh, kind of tell from Pete Alonzo's comments too. He, you know, he said he was shocked that they traded Scherzer and uh, 
He said he likes playing with the Mets, but he doesn't know what that, this means for his future either. And uh, it's a good point. It's kind of kind of tells you that uh, no one's really safe right now. And uh, no one should be safe, you know, based off the year that they've had. And, um, yeah, I think that it, it kind of does create a little bit of uneasiness in the clubhouse. Pat, when you look at what uh, Jeff McNeil has done over his last, what, eight, ten games, this is the Jeff McNeil we've been begging for all season. Uh what happened to this offense? Guys like him, Lindor's been up and down, Alonso's been up and down, Marte's been non-existent. You know, obviously it didn't look like he recovered from the offseason groin surgery and then migraines now. It, 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 Vogelback has been, you know, up mostly down except for a couple of, of spurts. I mean, this offense has just died. It, it's other than Nimmo, who's been really the most consistent everyday player, in my opinion, and what Alvarez has been able to do to inject some life into this lineup, this offense has been a huge disappointment as well. It has, and and there's been a lot of regression. You mentioned it. Uh, you know, Starling Marte, who really hasn't recovered from his double groin surgery in the offseason, and uh, Francisco Lindor, and, you know, Pete Alonso has, has really struggled since he came back from his wrist injury and McNeil's regressed and uh, it's just it, it, Marcana's regressed and it just, it, it hasn't uh, gone the way that they, uh, it, it hasn't gone as planned of course. And it, and it hasn't been, uh, you know, close to what they were able to do last year. And, um, you know, I don't know if that's because they changed hitting coaches. Of course, Eric Chavez, was uh, was the hitting coach last year, and they had a lot of success with him. And then they moved him to bench coach and promoted assistant hitting coach Jeremy Barnes. Um, but, you know, I've been told that, um, you know, hitting coaches really are just supposed to be communicators, especially with the veterans. The veterans have their routines, and, uh, you know, they, they know what they're doing up there. It's more the hitting coaches there more, more so for the young guys. And, um, you know, Alvarez has had a really good year. Uh, Beatty struggled offensively, I would say. Um, but yeah, these veterans have just progressed. Um, so, so yeah, so you got a question, you know, whether it is, it is the new hitting coach or, or if it's just guys just, uh, just having off years. Vientos has been, I guess he'll get the opportunity now, Pat, right? Uh, with the no pressure on trying to win some games. I know that, uh, Buck Showalter has talked about how he's worked defensively. He, he looks like right now, he looks like a better first baseman than a third baseman. What do you think? Yeah, he he does look like a better first baseman than a third baseman. Uh, you know, he made an error at Yankee Stadium the other night at third base. Um, but uh, right now, um, you know, obviously Pete Alonso is your cornerstone first baseman. So uh, Vientos' opportunity is going to come at DH, and uh, you know, this potentially could could get more at bats and Vogelback down the stretch just to see what Vientos has. Pat, is that going to be? When you look back at them last year, the issue of them not getting far and then the part of the struggles this year, can we kind of put that on the fact that they never really got that extra bat? They never really had a consistent DH. They never really filled that position. Yeah, it, I mean, their their trade deadline last year was, was inadequate. It was they, – they were going for Wilson Contreras and – David Robertson and, and JD Martinez and Josh Bell. And um, they wound up coming away with Tyler Naquin, Daniel Vogelback, Darren Ruff, and Michael Gibbons. And that's just not for an 101 win team. That's not a good enough haul to get at the trade deadline. And um, when you're looking at the way things played out this season and the guys who they've sold off, 
uh, it makes you I, hindsight's of course twenty twenty, but it makes you think that the Mets should have gone been more aggressive last year at the trade deadline and gone for it more. Yeah, there's no question about that. Um, Pat, what do you see them doing going forward? Who's the next group? I guess the everyday players now will be next. Uh, Canna and uh, Fam have been rumored. Do you see that? And what do you think they'll be able to get for these players? Yeah, so uh, I think Canna and Tommy Pham are going to be the next ones to get moved. Um, sources have told me that uh, the Dodgers and the Minnesota Twins have shown interest in them so far, um, uh, among other teams too. The Mets have been fielding calls on both players. Um, I know at least with Canna, and I, and I was told this, that uh, the Mets are looking for a lower minor league prospect outside of an organization's top 10 for Mark Canna. Um, I imagine they'll probably be looking for something a little higher for Tommy Pham, considering the year that he's had, may, possibly an organization's top ten prospect. But um, yeah, that's that's probably the ballpark of uh, of what they're going to get for those two guys. So Pat, before we move on for a couple of quick ones on the Yankees, what are we what are we looking at for this Met team for next season? It's a big question mark. It's it's a big question mark. Um, we just saw this offseason that um, you know money doesn't buy wins necessarily. The Mets had the highest payroll in baseball history, and uh, it, it didn't equate to a winning season or a, or a playoff season. And um, they're probably going to try and spend again. Um, they're they're going to they're going to spend to fill some holes. Uh, you know, they do potentially have some prospects coming up, but uh, they're they're going to wind up spending money, and um, they're going to go after Otani. Just a matter of fact of uh, a matter of is he going to want to come to the East Coast, which there is, there's heavy rumors that he's going to want to stay on the West Coast and that the Dodgers are the favorites to get him. But um, they're going to go for him, and they're going to spend money, and it's it's just a matter of um, making the right moves. Uh, right now, there's not a lot of optimism for next year, considering the state of the roster right now and who they've traded um, and, and the performance this year. But, um, you know, things can change in a hurry, of course. No question about it. Pat, before we go, two quick ones, a couple of quick ones on the Yankees. Uh, what do you think they're going to try to do going forward? I mean, obviously, Judge comes back. Uh, you know, uh, last night you could see his what he's been missing to that lineup. But, you know, Bellinger was the number one person that you heard that they would be available, obviously, with the Cubs still in it. Now, they're not going to move him. What, what, are you, what are you hearing through your reporting that they might consider doing, that they might consider adding to their uh, – to their team because they have to do something offensively. Well, yes, they do. And um, what I'm hearing obviously is uh, they're looking for a left fielder and, you know, whether it be an everyday guy or someone to platoon with Billy McKinney and Jake Bowers, and they're looking for bullpen help. And uh, they of course would like a starting pitcher as well, but uh, you know, starting pitching market is really tough. Uh, It's really hard to, land a starting pitcher at the trade deadline. Um, there's not really anyone available. Some of the guys have already been moved already who are available and, uh, and it's expensive. It's expensive to acquire starting pitching at the, at the trade deadline. So realistically from based off what I'm hearing, I mean, uh, they're, they're going to wind up probably getting a left fielder and uh, they're, they're going to probably get bullpen help as well. Um, and they do have guys on the way though, and some reinforcements coming back from the injured list. They have Nestor Cortez coming back which is going to be a boost to their starting rotation. And they have Jonathan Loisega coming back, who's going to help their bullpen out. So, um, so that, that'll help of course. But, uh, but yeah, they, they are going to 
the, they're buying. They're trying to, you know, they're trying to make the playoffs and, um, you know, left field and uh, bullpen is, is where they're going to try and upgrade. Last one. Padres are right around where the Mets are. Do the Yankees have enough to put in a legitimate bid for Juan Soto to bring him here? So that's a good question. So, um, so I heard that if Soto's made available, they're going to go for him, that, that they want him, that they're going to try and trade for him. Um, do they have enough? Um, that remains to be seen. I think they, they, they do. They're going to have to give up a lot for him. Um, but, but I think they do in the end that they, they do probably do have enough. Um, they probably, if other teams, uh, say if the Dodgers, but they're, they're not going to do an in-division trade with the Padres, um, you know, teams like the Dodgers have a better package than the Yankees could offer. But, uh, but yeah, the Yankees for the teams that are, that would be bidding for Soto, the Yankees probably have the, um, you know, one of the best packages and could potentially land them for, uh, through that. Pat Ragazzo, keep up the great work on SI.com. We'll be reading you, my friend. We'll talk soon. Thank you so much. Talk to you soon. All right. That's Pat Ragazzo. Well, we'll get your thoughts on what he had to say. I heard some Yankee fans' ears perk up. Hmm. We'll talk about it next on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. Hardesty on the Sunday on 98.7 ESPN. Chatting with you at 1-800-919-3776. It's probably what the Yankees are going to do, right? On this trade deadline. It's probably what the Mets are going to do on this trade trade situation. Who else is leaving the Mets? Who else is going? Hmm. Tommy's in Connecticut. What's up, Tommy? You're next on 98.7. Larry, how are you, buddy? I'm doing good, Tommy. What's going on? Uh, just <clears throat> kind of feeling uh, feeling a little bit better about the Yankees. I, I've never seen a player have such an impact just <laughs> just being in the lineup as far as Aaron Judge is concerned. You know, obviously Friday night they got shut out, but he, he hit one on the screws and then got walked three times. And I was like, ah, is this what it's going to be? They're just going to walk him every plate appearance? And then, he, you know, he – Hits one to the moon to dead center, and you know, there's a couple other hits. I, I just, he's so impactful, and and it's amazing if you look at the, uh, if you look at the stats for the Yankees for the year, he's still like the statistical leader mm-hmm. in almost every category. He missed a quarter of a season. That's right. It, it's incredible. It's unbelievable, Tommy. That's how good he is. Thanks for the phone call. He, it's 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 rare, especially in baseball, right? I mean, basketball, obviously, you see LeBron James come on the floor. It's a big difference. You know, you can see it. Uh, quarterbacks in football, you see it. They make a huge difference. Even though it's it's the ultimate team game, you don't have a good quarterback. <laughs> You're struggling. <laughs> You're struggling. So, But in baseball, to see a player have that dominance, I mean, you know, Barry Bonds. That's, and, and listen, hey, Tommy, and you know what? I would do what Baltimore did. I wouldn't pitch to him. I'd walk him. Until you prove to me that people behind you are going to make me pay for, for passing him. And even then, I still might walk him. I still might. Because of the fact that, I mean, he's he, he does damage. He is the heart and soul of this team. He is worth every penny you paid him. 
but he still is going to need help because teams are not going to give him a chance to beat them, beat you. Why would you? Pass him, walk him, walk him. Uh, Yankee fans are going to be like, oh, so why are you walking him? <laughs> why not? <laughs> why wouldn't I walk him? I don't want to beat me. By the way, very quietly, and I know it's not what you wanted, and I know you don't like him, and I get it. But very quietly, IKF has been a tremendous addition to your bench. A tremendous addition. What's he hitting? Over 300 now the past couple of weeks for what he's been able to do? He plays every position you put him at. He does a decent job there. Now, once again, granted, he's not. that's not what you wanted when you traded for him. You were you, He was just the throw-in. Josh Donaldson was the marquee person in that trade. And I know IKF was awful last year at shortstop and was bad enough that he couldn't play in the postseason. But this year, his ability to be versatile, he has become a very important player on this team. Very important. And, um, you know, I don't know. I mean, obviously you, you have to move him if you got to. But he gives a lot of – he's quality depth. Because some of the guys you have, they hit no field. He's heel, He's hit and field right now. Crazy, right? Hey, after more than 50 years of touring and consistently selling out arenas and stadiums worldwide, the Eagles have announced that their upcoming The Long Goodbye will be the band's final tour. The band will stop at UBS Arena at Belmont Park this September 20th. Tickets are on sale now at the UBSarena.com. Keep it locked to ESPN New York all day long for your chance to score some tickets. I have those tickets right here, baby! Before I leave, you'll have a chance to win them. When we return, I saw, I tuned in last night expecting to see a pretty good boxing match. (laughs) What? Spence Crawford was one-sided. I know we don't talk a lot of boxing, but I got to hear your thoughts as well. That's next. It's the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. So, Joe and um, Tom, I got a text from my, a tweet, rather, from my Twitter ex-nephew, Jay Blaze NYC. He says, Uncle L, were you surprised how easy Bud made it look last night? I know there's a rematch clause, but would the second fight be much different? Only... If Spence is able to come in at 154, and even then, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, Crawford was like, oh. He beat him. He beat him. And see, here's the thing. And this is what, this is, and I get it. I get that you have to, you got to throw punches. That's how you win fights. You got to throw punches. I understand that. But Spence threw the punches, and then what happened was, Crawford realized, oh, he can't hurt me. It's over. <laughs> it was over. Once he neutralized the jab, it was over. It was over. That fight. And and to be honest, I would and look, it's a championship fight. Okay, I get it. You have to let him, you know, what's what's the phrase in boxing? Go out on the shield. 
let's be honest. When Crawford hit Spence in the two knockdown round, which I forget it was off the top of my head, and the second knockdown, he kind of knocked him towards his corner, that fight should have been stopped then. <laughs> it should have been stopped then. And yet, listen, and of course, there's a re- there's a rematch clause. Absolutely, there is. And Spence says he's going to exercise it, and he wants to fight by December. But if he can't go up in weight class, and now he's not the champion, so they don't have to stipulate that, he got another butt whipping coming. And no question in my mind. He got another butt whipping coming because what does he have to keep butt off of him? Nothing what I saw last night. 1-800-919-3776. Javier's in Queens. Javier, you're up next on 9870 ESPN. Hey, Larry. What's going on, man? Good afternoon. Yeah, I'm just really pumped to hear you talk about the fight last night. Um, I was saying, you know, oftentimes um, with these mega fights, they don't meet. The expectation. It wasn't a bad fight. I did feel bad. It was a beatdown. It was completely one-sided. It was. From the second round on, it was bad. I, I thought they should have stopped it early because Spence had no shot. You know, like normally there's a puncher's chance, but he had nothing behind what he was throwing nope. after like the sixth round. So, you know, if if you wanted to salvage that guy's career, probably want to end that fight sooner. Who knows what's going to happen with Spence moving forward? No one wants to see that rematch. Nobody. Um, but I excited that you're talking about it, and super excited that Crawford is legit pound yeah. for pound the guy right now. Yeah. And maybe my hope is down the road for the fans. If him and Canelo can do it, that's mm. a mega fight. Mm. Um, you know, I, I think he's on the path to being kind of the next Canelo, and you know, picking his guys, going up and wait, fighting whoever he wants because Crawford is. He's the guy, you know, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's nice to see it, you know, it's as, as a fan. Um, and then just uh, the Yanks, I just want to talk sure. about the Yanks. Big mm-hmm. win yesterday, excited to see what's coming and just very tired of all of the idiots calling in about firing Boone. Like, stop, they're not firing Boone. All these guys are signed. They got extensions. Like, just leave it alone. Let it marinate. They might be bad, but, you know, they, they've been good many, many times. So just let, let it be, you know, just a little positivity for the Yanks. That's all. Hey, Javier. Have a great day. You too, my friend. Thanks for the phone call. I will say this, though, Javier. You're right. They're not firing Boone. They're not firing Cashman. Uh, they're going to try to do what they do. You know, they, they don't rebuild. They, they retool or insert or whatever you want to call it. And it hasn't worked. Um, so you're kind of frustrated. But listen, once again, you're back to two and a half games out of the wild card spot. And I know that this team does not look like a, a, a World Series competitive team. It doesn't look like a team that could go deep into the to the ALCS again. But you get to the postseason, and LaGreca said it best last week. You get to the postseason, you face the Guardians again, you're into the division series. <laughs> you're, you're one step away from the conference series. You're one step away. And who knows what happens there? Once again, we don't know what they're going to do or who they're going to add. But, you know, these things happen. These things happen. So, listen, you're a Yankee fan. You want to be positive. You ride and see what they do. They don't do much. Then you say, you know what? You shake your head and say, come on, guys. You you better have a booming off season because my jaw is getting really tight with y'all. That's what you have to say. Alex is in Oyster Bay. What's up, Al? Hey, Larry. How are you? Good. What's happening? Good. You know, everyone's been talking about trying to get Cody Bellinger from the Cubs. I get it. 
That's not going to happen for the Yankees. They pulled him off the market because the Cubs are figure they're still in the race. But I got to tell you something. The other Chicago team is in full sell-off mode. And there is a guy on there who is ultra-talented. And I don't know if the uh, White Sox would be willing to get rid of him, but, God, he would be perfect for the Yankees. Well, that's Luis Robert. Guy's got 29 home runs, batting 270, 60 RBIs. And if the, and if the White Sox are committed to a full rebuild, how can you not investigate getting this guy? Now I get it. He's a righty. So not ideal for Yankee Stadium, not a lefty batter. But this guy is super talented. He's 25 years old. I mean, that's he to me. And he plays center field. So if you don't get Bader back, he could, he could play center field. I mean, he is a five-tool player, and I think he would be perfect. I mean, he would be just what the doctor ordered. If you put him in that lineup around Judge – or, you know, uh, you know, in front of Judge God, he, he would probably hit, you know, 50 home runs. So I just don't know if the Yankees are investigating it, but I would if I were them. I hear what you're saying, Alex. Thanks for the phone call. I mean, I, I saw him. He jumped off the page at me in the home run derby. And then I was watching him. I was like, wow, he's got, you know, once again, it's the home run derby, right? And then I'm saying, huh, he would be. And I had the same thought you had, Alex. And then I'm looking right. I said, you know what? The Yankees really don't need any more right-hand hitters. That's the issue, Alex. I hear what you're saying. And Bader, I know Bader in and out of the lineup, but when Bader's in, he makes a he makes a he makes an impact. Um, you know, so I don't know whether the Yankees are whether he's on the Yankees radar or not. Uh, but you know, just it's time for them to really say, you know what, this is our so many teams play to the strength of their stadium. And that's what the Yankees have done forever. And then this, I remember hearing, it had to be Cashman on K a couple of years ago. And I remember, I remember him saying, yes, I know people say we about left-handers at the stadium, but we've got some right-hand hitters who can also hit to the opposite field and metrics show this. And I'm just like, okay, it better work. <laughs> because forever and ever and ever, why do people complain about playing in Yankee Stadium? Oh, it's a minor league stadium. Oh, the short porch. Oh, it's not a real ballpark, the right field. Oh, all, all the negativity. The bottom line is there's, there's stadium around that people use, and because of the dimensions, you put the proper players in there to make your home field advantage an advantage. And it's time that the Yankees put some more lefties in their lineup. This bottom line. I mean, good lefties. Right, Tom and Joe? Good lefties. Not just any lefties. So not Joey Gallo? No. That ship has sailed and sunk. <laughs> so no. I know some no. people are still holding out hope for Brett Gardner. You think he'll make a return? No. That ship has also sailed, thankfully. he Listen, love Brett Gardner. Covered him for many of his years of his career. Great guy. I remember seeing him in Whole Foods in the... In, uh, up in North Jersey one time. He's like, what are you doing here? I'm like, what are you doing here? We had a great conversation. Great guy. Great guy. In his latter years, was not supposed to play every day. They played him every day, and he stunk, and you wondered why. He was not an everyday guy anymore. He wasn't. And no, don't need to bring him back. It's okay. It's time to move on. 1-800-919-3776. Mets are underway. Justin Verlander's on the mound. We'll talk to you about the fight last night. I don't know if I want to see a rematch. 
Spence got rocked a lot. And I know he's been better. I've seen a couple of his fights. And he normally is the is the aggressor, the, the, the stronger puncher. Not last night. Can you imagine being his dad in the corner and watching your son take that punishment? There's 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 one other example I will tell you about, and I understand it, but I had to shake my head about it. I'll tell you about that next. It's the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. Take your phone calls, 1-800-919-3776. Let's get back to the phone calls. We'll hear from Buck Showalter at the top of the hour. He had some comments about what's been going on with the Mets. And also, uh, next hour, around 215, 220, we'll turn our attention to a little football with the uh, New York Jets and what's been going on there. I hear uh, Aaron Rodgers pulls a nonviolent Will Smith. We'll explain a little bit later. Dave's in the car. What's up, Dave? Hey, thanks for having me in. I wanted to just talk about the Yankees in the boxing match last night. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, just just want to get your opinion on this. The first thing about boxing, there's so many fights that should have been made. This is one of them. Mm-hmm. But you can also clearly see over the years how boxers are manipulated. There's a lot of cherry picking going on. I know the boxers have to get their money. Um, but now you can see why these matches are also avoided. This is great for the sport, but one guy looks like he'll never be the same after this match, which is which is Spence. And you can truly see that there are fighters who are willing to take on other boxers consistently, and there's an element of the boxing scenario being rigged where who makes what percentages. Um, it'll be interesting to see how many bigger fights come after this. Um, and the second thing, and I'll get off, as far as the Yankees are concerned, and I grew up behind the stadium, mm-hmm. we've been looking at this for 10 or 15 years now with Cashman and that whole regime. It looks like they're never going to change. Um, I don't think fans will just not show up to the game. But unless they happen to land a gym and some unique young talent and then put a lot of veterans who can stay healthy around, around that person, mm-hmm. you know, the Yankees are going to be stuck in this perpetual orbit. I don't see a way out. Um, unless they spend more money than anybody and everybody, and considering what just happened to the Mets and the Nets, doesn't look like the best idea. Love to hear what you think. Thanks. All right, Dave, thanks for checking in. Let's start with where you ended. And what they can do is what they'll have to try to do is, um, boy, I tell you, McNeil is pretty good in right field. He's better than I thought. He's, He's made some really good plays out there. Still rather him in the infield, but he's made some really good plays. Washington, by the way, up one nothing. Still of home. It's unbelievable. Um, you're right because of the contracts that they're in. So the, the conversation has to be then right here. What do we do? We can't go into these long-term deals anymore. And I thought that's what they had decided when they did the Robinson Cano deal after making the mistake about A-Rod. And and so I'm I'm surprised that they did they in, well they inherited the you know the Stanton contract they didn't have to get him they could have waited I know this was an idea at the time on paper well 
Bryce Harper is going to cost us a lot of money, but if we bring over Stanton, who's, yeah, we're paying a lot of money now, but it'll be cheaper than if we bring in Bryce Harper and he's the MVP of the National League. And, you know, we know he's a right-handed batter, but, you know, look what he's just, look what he was able to do. The problem was he's been injury. He hasn't been available because of injury. He's had really good pre postseason moments, not a lot of regular season availability for the Yankees. And it wasn't the money, it's the years. Yeah, three more years left on that contract. LeMahieu, who you resigned. Listen, you guys wanted him. You wanted him. And he deserved to be resigned based on the years he was having. But maybe it once again, it's the length, not the money. And so, Dave, in that sense, you're right. What they have to do is, okay, we'll ride these guys out, all right? And we have to change our philosophy. So they will have to change. And they will have to try to bring in some younger free agents. That's what they have to do. You know? And, and look, once again, they thought with the Stanton deal, aside from him being cheaper than Harper, but guess what? Okay, we know the, this time, the last three years of the deal, this time, okay, we expect some slippage. We knew what these long-term deals at the end of the deal is not going to be pretty. We get it. But they would have thought they would have had at least a championship or two by now. Then it's okay. Right? Then not okay, but it's understandable. But having nothing to show for it, it's a bad deal. It's a bad deal. Buddha's in the Bronx. What's up, Buddha? Hey, uh, what's going on, big bro? Everything's good, partner. What's happening? Well, obviously, you know what I called to talk about. Um, <laughs> listen, you know, the fight should have been, happened five years ago. Uh, Bud Crawford had to get from underneath Bob Arum to actually make the fight happen. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Spence came to fight last night. He did come to fight. Bud Crawford came to Maine. Mm -hmm. you, you understand? There yes, was. I'm not even going to get into the strategy, the technique, the footwork, the, the not utilize the jab, any of that stuff. There was a different level of ferocity between the two individuals. Um, you know, obviously, you know, if you know, I, you know, I picked Buck Crawford to win. I didn't think he would win decisively like that. You know, he just in a matchup, he he has too much volume per round right. for what Spence puts out per round. You know, mm -hmm. if you look yes. at the last fight, uh, what was Spence with Garcia? And we all sat down and we're like, why is he carrying this guy? You know, and I don't want to make excuses for Spence. But the guys I'm calling and we're talking about he's not going to be the same fighter again after this, newsflash, he's not the same fighter that he was four years ago. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's the car accident. I, I, I don't, you know, he, he showed more promise years ago. I, you know, I saw this coming. You understand what I'm saying? I saw this coming. And when you speak about, when he got knocked down to two times, I think that was in the, um, the fifth round, I, I mm -hmm. believe. I can't remember the round myself. You know, you, 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 you know, especially you have family in the corner. Yeah. Listen, this is not the old days. And we saw what happened to Muhammad, right? Mm -hmm. We saw what happened, even if you listen to Roy Jones talk, and you listen yeah. to certain guys yeah. that have been through it. We know Evander Holyfield. Yeah. That's your son right there. That's right. You, you don't let people die in their shield anymore. The, nope. these, those days are over. I love those fights. We all love them. Them seventies and eighties fights. Yeah. You know, the only guy I know that's been in a lot of wars like that is my favorite athlete of all time, who 
who still has all his faculties is Ray Leonard. That's right. Every other guy, every other guy has deficiencies in speech, movement, you know, whatever you want to call it. I mean, yeah, you know, it it was tough to watch. You know, it was tough to watch, you know, after like the third round. I mean, he had no, there was no, listen, if you don't utilize, I don't care who you're fighting against. And I don't care what level of competition. If you're not utilizing the jab and you're doing hooks and and, um, he didn't even do any uppercuts, but if you're doing hooks and and sweeping right hands, you're going to get laid out. Because your jab is what's going to keep somebody off balance. You know what I'm saying? It's at least going to stop. It's going to stop somebody from just putting on a pure onslaught. So you know, it's a shame that the fight took this long to happen. I would prefer. I would actually sit down with Spence if I was family and say, "Is this something we really want to continue doing?" Mm -hmm. Because I don't see. I don't. I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel in terms of salvaging your career. What belt are you going to win back? These younger guys now, you know, they're, they're coming up. You, you're not going to get anything, but now who are you going to start fighting? Some tomato cans to try to, like, you know, get your reputation back up. And, and, and this, this this rematch clause, there's sometimes when the, you have to do what's best for the fighter. There's no reason for him to fight this man again. Nope. For what? To get a worse beating? Nope. He's going to be delayed. He was concussed last night, yeah, huh? Yeah, no question. No question. It's no question. He was. Thanks for the phone call, Buddha. And then, you know, lunging off balance, coming in, and staying right in front of him. How many times in his corner? Move to the side. Move to the side. You're standing right in front of him. You were you were a hit. You were a target. You were a target, and you got laid out. It, it, it was it was it was hard to watch. It was hard. Face all swollen up. I mean, I've seen fights stop for less than that. And once again, in that round, when he got knocked down twice, and the second time, he almost, he, he hit, got hit so hard, he rolled to the corner. That fight should have been stopped right there. Should have been stopped. And it's not the same magnitude, but it reminded me And it's not the same magnitude, not the same volume. But it reminded me of Joe Frazier watching his son in 86 against Mike Tyson. And what Tyson did in three minutes to Marvis Frazier. It it made Joe so mad. He was talking about about stepping in the ring. Joe, loved you. That wasn't the right move. (laughs) That wasn't the right move. But... That's what happens when you are in your your son's corner in a situation like that. And Buddha's a thousand percent right. It's not about going out on your shield. It's about being able to move on with the rest of your life. We'll continue the conversation. Mets have tied the game on 98.7 ESPN.